Okay, hello everyone. So, first of all, I want to apologize for the production quality of the last episode on Alice Monroe. It sounded a bit hissy to me, and hopefully that won't happen again. But speaking of Monroe, since we talked about her writing quite a bit in that episode, it actually got me thinking a little bit about language, and in general, about, well, words. So, for better or for worse, here are some thoughts on the wisdom of words. Okay, so in Plato's Phaedo, Socrates, before he's about to die, warns his friends, of all things, not to become haters of words. He tells them that this would amount to the greatest possible evil. In other words, for him, there's a profound danger in mythology, in the hatred and corruption of logos. But why does this corruption of the word matter so much? Well, because basically language is the medium through which we move. It's the room in which we live. When we sacrifice a part of our language, our room becomes a little smaller. Every time we lose a word, a light has been extinguished, and so made every day forward a slightly darker one. And I think Socrates' concern is more relevant than ever today. I mean, not only do we read a little less, but it seems our language is becoming more abbreviated and technical. In this way, it's becoming more impoverished. Now, I don't know, maybe you could argue that, well, because of the scientific age we live in, our language has actually become more precise or accurate. Well, as the psychologist Rollo May pointed out, to speak more accurately or specifically is not necessarily to speak more truthfully or more meaningfully. I mean, we might have an excellent vocabulary for all sorts of technical subjects, sure. But like I said, has this sort of language eclipsed more meaningful forms of communication? So, here's an example. May gives the example of two different descriptions of the moon landing. He says that we can describe it as an extravehicular landing or as humans walking on the moon. Now, to say that it's an extravehicular landing is technical sounding, right? And there's something very abstract and distant about it. But on the other hand, to say that we're walking on the moon, well, that connotes an infant's very first brave steps. And that they're taken on the moon, well, there's something adventurous and romantic about this, no? In other words, this second description connects us with ourselves in a way that the first doesn't. It connects us back to our oldest natures, but also, I think, points us towards our futures. Well, this brings me to the importance of symbols. You know, it's interesting. The etymology of this word is Greek, 
and it meant something like like a bringing together or a or a connecting up well that's what symbols do they can connect us with nature with ourselves and with others in a way that other words can't but again in our age marked by technology and efficiency I think we've lost some of our symbolic and poetical language. And so what we're largely operating with are words that do no more than, well, denote the objects to which they are attached, kind of like Adam when he names all the animals. In other words, they exhaust themselves in their use. There's a a terminus to them. But symbols... Symbols, on the other hand, are not like this. A symbol always suggests more than what it states. As Carl Jung says, a symbol has a, has a kind of numinous quality which points towards other realities. In this way, then, symbolical and poetical language can open us out into a world, worlds even, we hadn't ever imagined into all sorts of um, moonlight-enchanted nights. I think that the benefit that this would have for our interpretive powers and our psychological growth is significant. I mean, when our language is alive, we become alive, no? So maybe now we can see why um, bankruptcy of symbols and a decline in poetic spirit is so dangerous. It's because the limit of our language is the limit of our horizons, of ourselves, and our world. Socrates, I think, is right. We abandon the richness of language at our own peril. Again, it's because it's the medium through which we know and live, and through which we flourish or don't. Do we really want to live in the purely utilitarian or in the um, icy waters of calculation, to paraphrase Marx? Well, without trust in and love of words, without genuine philology, this is probably what we're going to get. You know, Rousseau has this um, interesting view on the origin of language. It's certainly wrong, and I'm not denying that. But it's beautiful. And I think that in some sense, it captures a bit of what I'm trying to say here. You see, he believed that language was the product of the southern warm countries, and that initially it was basically um, musical and emotional in nature. What happened, though, is that when it made its way north, right, to the colder climates, the language became increasingly less passionate and more efficient and rational. I don't know, it's, it's nice to think that that language began in the poetic side of life. That it wasn't founded on the prosaic, but on feelings and play and dance, on the songs of birds. I mean, what better way than these things to bring us out of ourselves and into the world and closer and closer to undiscovered horizons. Mm-hmm.